Hello and welcome to the Bosch Gamer Podcast episode number eight, here for the um, middle, well, coming to the end of October now, so our next one will be coming up right to the end of the month. This is Tom from the Bosch Gamer team. Um, first of all, we want to thank everyone again for their massive support on our previous episodes. It's fantastic what, what's going on and we're looking forward to keep on making these for all of you in the future. So firstly, we're going to go in with our weekly roundup. Biggest news story of the week this week coming in is uh, politics has finally uh, caught up with everyone and is getting into gaming in the biggest case of youth pandering you've ever seen uh, over in the US, AOC, she's uh, decided to do a stream of Among Us. Um, I mean, what what can you really sound that? A politician being an imposter, it, it kind of writes itself really. It's so this came in for over 400,000 viewers. It's the largest one-off streaming event in history for gaming. Um, and here in the Bosch Games team, we're uh, we're kind of like on the on the side of well, we just can't wait to see more politicians coming through. See if we can get them doing some full let's plays of Cyberpunk this this November. And uh, just if you haven't gone out there and played Among Us, that uh, this is the point at which you need to look at yourself and say, I'm I'm an idiot because the Among Us is absolute gold. And if it's gotten as mainstream as politicians streaming it for the world, then you're the last one left. Just accept it and download Among Us. It's free on Steam and on um, and on Android. Just hop on, grab it, and you'll you'll enjoy it to no end. Uh, next, big big great piece of news for everyone. EA in Canada are finally facing a class action suit for the loot boxes. It's finally been accepted that they are going to be classified as gambling if this goes through could be fantastic so this would apply to anyone in Canada who um, has purchased or been involved in the loot box system since 2008 on any EA titles um, it turns out that if you're going for FIFA and things like that then they're gonna hold you off but when you get them NHL boys the ho those Canadians with their hockey they will kick your teeth in for it so hopefully we'll uh, see a great opportunity for all of the press to make their um, surprise mechanic jokes for the final verdict on that uh, next up, Mojang. Uh, bad news there. So it seems that all of your Minecraft accounts, including the Mojang and Java ones, are going to have to migrate into Microsoft accounts starting in 2021. Uh, this is it. It's it's finally happening. The big centralization uh, for for the Xbox. It's it's moving over to everyone now. Um, we'll soon see it spread into Bethesda, I imagine, um, when they start creating unified accounts for their games. And we'll just have to see how it goes. Once all of your um, Elder Scrolls Online accounts become part of it, then there's nobody left outside of the uh, Microsoft ecosystem. And soon it would include all PlayStations as well, we're sure. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I think this is a good thing in the long run. If you can have one centralized account for all these things, it saves you having to remember all of your different logins. But at the same time, it does really surface, it does really con put in concrete this monopoly that Xbox is starting to build within the gaming ecosystem and the control that they're going to have over it. Finally, our last piece, and I know this is probably the one that everyone's been wanting to hear about, Kingdom Hearts is finally going to be releasing a rhythm game. Uh, I, I know all of those Kingdom Hearts fans out there, they were all just so pleased with the way Kingdom Hearts 3, Kingdom Hearts 3 went and were so excited to see what the next title would be. And everyone for years for years we've all been begging for a kingdom hearts rhythm game <laughs> honestly who the fuck is this for square is going down a very very strange path of this 
I know we've seen like card combat in the past with some of the older, some of the DS titles and the Game Boy titles, but this is a absolute kick in the teeth for all the Kingdom Hearts fans who are so let down by Kingdom Hearts 3, and we really just can't wait to see it all come together. And hopefully this this is going to explain all of those last lingering pieces of the Kingdom Hearts lore that we've just been struggling to understand. So that's been your weekly roundup of the biggest stories. Uh, this week, I want to introduce my guest from the Bosch Gamer team. We've got Adam, previous uh, co-host of the Bosch Gamer podcast, back with Vass, and uh, he's joining me today. Hello, Adam. Hey, how's it going? Thanks, Tom. Good, good. So one thing I wanted to talk to you about first is with Bosch Gamer, you're opening up now the new blog site. It's coming in. Yes, absolutely. And it's been a interesting lockdown, as everyone knows, and we obviously wanted to make the most of it. And I've learned myself how to basically build and design a website. Now, we've got some amazingly talented writers in our team and putting all of their thoughts and information on a Facebook post is what where we were previously. It didn't do them justice. So after like six months of just figuring out how to build a site, we are now ready to launch and we should be what it's now Monday, isn't it? In the, in the great scheme of time travel, when we release this out to the, the big wide world, it should be out today. So we are going to be starting populating, posting up and pushing it out to everyone with, uh, with some fantastic posts and from our Bosch team. So yeah, hugely exciting mm -hmm. can't wait to share that with everyone and uh, get some feedback i know we're all super pleased this is something that we really teased with early on when we first started bosch gamer a place for us to build reviews and kind of centralize a bit more kind of extensive um thoughts and ideas uh, but don't worry for all of you in the community who just enjoy those quick little hot takes as part of facebook we will be sharing all of the posts through there so you can see them but we'll, you'll get that little condensed hit and if you want to hear more be able to click through that link, come through to the Bosch Gamer site, support us directly through the Bosch, through our new Bosch Gamer website, and get a chance to maybe read these articles, hear a bit more directly from the team, and get an idea of their thoughts and feelings about games outside of just myself on the podcast, and start to kind of think about, you know, building out from woods from there. I think is our plan for Bosch Gamer. Exactly. Now, what happened when you went on to Gamespot's website five minutes before we came onto this this call? What happened? So we uh so as part of this podcast we obviously we have a big old page of notes and links that we're going through and there's one that we're going to talk about at the moment where I tap onto GameSpot to go through some of their um some things that they've been talking about and we go through a lot of news sites to break down what's kind of going on in the media and they just hit you with them full on autoplay adverts <laughs> adverts everywhere you cannot scroll two centimeters without getting hit with a face full of adverts and in your case a huge earful. And that's exactly why we want Bosch Gamer to be a thing, because I hate adverts. We don't need adverts. You're going to just get our opinions, and it's going to be easy to read, no adverts, all in a you know format that you can read on your mobile when you're on the you know, your bus journey or commute to your next uh, your next job if you if you're doing that. So on the subject of adverts, um, yes, we're launching the blog site on Monday today, in theory, if we release this on time. Well, I'll say, keeping on the topic of, of adverts then, so our one this our biggest topic this week, I think, is going to be the release of NBA 2K20. Uh, it, it's here, and they've come through again. 
with unskippable in-game ads. Now, we want to be really clear on this. When they when they apologised, they did do a public apology, but the apology they made wasn't the inclusion of unskippable ads. No, no, no. They just put them in the wrong place. So they'd accidentally put them, put them in a place where they don't want them to be unskippable. They're, the ads there are meant to be ones you can move away from. No, no, no. They'd forgotten to put them in the loading screens where they should be unskippable. And can we... Can we just confess that that this is just a sign that they don't give a fuck what any of their game or any of the players think or any of our thoughts on this? That's because we're not the customers, in my eyes. If mm-hmm. if we were the customers, they'd be making games for us that we want to play. But it's not, and it's for uh, it's for the investors. They're the people who give them probably the most money, and the, you know the stakeholders. They've got to pay them back somehow or somehow sometime. And this seems to be just one of those other gimmicks that they can throw in and just try and make a bit of extra cash because it's effectively just an unlimited commission structure, isn't it? In job terminology, it's like, what's the most amount of money I can get? And that's just Mm -hmm. keep selling. The more I sell, the more money I make. I think a a big pressure here obviously comes from the move into the next gen. So we're starting to see uh, another potential price hike in terms of cost of purchasing games, not just for physical copies, but also for digital. Um, I think that's why the major consoles are looking at kind of centralized um, subscription systems for gaming. But where the prices is going up, can these companies, can, can they justify an increase in advertising revenue as well can you no. be like oh we're gonna put the we're putting the price up because it's so expensive to produce games oh by the way we're also continuing to do unskippable ads which benefit us this is targeting it also plays into the data collection that they're doing through the game is it is this a realistic experience for for the M, for nba i i know you know mid mid game your adverts come on in at half time between each year quarters like but is it is that just playing into the realism as far as their excuse would be? Or is it just a horrendous cash grab? Nah, cash grab, 100%. They got billions from the micro transaction industry last year. Like, you know, it's all about that commission for investors. They, they don't need to do it. They just think they can get away with it. And, uh, and I think this is going to go down this structure. If we don't push back enough, I think this is going to turn into a YouTube scenario whereby you have the you know, the 10, 15 second adverts and, you know, you can skip them after five seconds or you could pay this lovely subscription and uh, not have adverts. And I think they're just trying to test the waters now for a a bigger customer Mm -hmm. fuck up in the future. I reckon it's all just dabbing their feet in the water, seeing what the experience is like and try and monetize it. It's all it is for effectively what is this game? What's the difference between 2K19, 2K20, and 2K21? Uh, this is it, and uh, I believe 2K19 is available for like a pound at the moment. I think it's they've a quid. Two yeah. Quid, yeah. So they've got sales going on just to be like, well, just grab the last one. So just go grab your previous copy. Go get that. I I know personally, a friend, me and a friend, were looking at jumping onto Madden again for a bit, and we both were like, well, we both got Game Pass. We'll just download and we've got EA on there so we'll just download one of the older ones we've been playing Madden 16 Uh, it's it does it feels like they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot here and there isn't enough each new game to justify that that additional that additional cost not just a purchase but also the cost of time wasted watching an ad you're all sat there amongst as a group you're all hyped up ready to play a quick round of round of fucking NBA and then 
bam, you got to watch quick. Here's a quick ad before you jump straight <laughs> in. Like, what? Like, I've already paid know, for this. It's so ridiculous. And and the funny thing is with these, right? I I love following tech. I like the tech news. I love the the hardware side mm-hmm. of things. Probably more so than actually playing the games, if I'm honest. So when you hear the PlayStation Five has got this super fast SSD, which basically bypasses the CPU for compressing it goes hard drive or SSD in this case through straight into the GPU to effectively wipe out any loading mm-hmm. times and then you go well actually I'm going to introduce introduce a 30 second one that I you know the consoles the new PC tech that comes out it doesn't even need a 15 30 second loading yeah. screen anymore like you know the crash bandicoots and spiros evolve with a a two-minute loading screen, probably Red Dead for, for modern gen. Yeah, I, I I feel like there was a phase back then as well where because loaded screens were so prevalent, you'd see games give you interactive things on that. I know a lot of the old Dragon Ball Z games, they'd have like little mini-games that you'd play inside of the loading screens. Oh, cool. It was so good. It was essentially an opportunity to be like, look, this is downtime. We know you sat there clicking the buttons anyway. So here, look, you start clicking the triggers and we'll suddenly reveal to you that there's a mini-game in here that you can play, you know, bouncing things around, playing essentially a slimmed-down arcade game while you wait because it, it's no effort to load that prior to your loading screen. It just can pop up like that. Do you know who got that right? Do you know who got that right? Rocket League. I love that game anyway, Mm -hmm. regardless. And in Rocket League, you now have, while you're waiting for the next game, because obviously it's got a matchmake, matchmaking, fine, put something in there. And what do they have? They have a a training environment, or you can go and, you know, change your car and put skins on it and and do that sort of thing, rather than having a shitty advert, which no one wants to see. Well, what's strange is that some of the FIFA games started picking this up. And so when you were loading into your FIFA match, you would go into a training environment. It'd give you drills that you'd do almost as though you're actually yeah. warming up for the game and giving almost, and like we're saying about this realism aspect to to this, making the loading screen a realistic facet of what you're doing. Because, That's you know, right before you play a game, it. you should warm up. Here, quick, do a couple of passing drills, a couple of shooting drills while the game loads, just to warm yourself up, remind yourself of your controls, give yourself a couple of hints before you jump in, in the same way that a coach or manager would. But I think what we need to look at here is about this kind of advertising in games, because there are uh, there are examples of advertising in game where it isn't so obnoxious. So the, probably the most recent one that's done this really well, uh, still a bit blatant, but it's, it's integrated in the game is in Death Stranding. So Death Stranding, you know, coming in, it's got this energy system that they had and they wanted to give a kind of system for that and drink system. And so Kojima, he's always done this, like with the Metal Gear Solid games as well. They've done similar things. So he went, okay, Monster Energy Drinks. Monster, would you like to sign up to have your canned energy drink be the one for the post-apocalyptic Water Kid Simulator? And so you go places and you need a bit of energy, you crack a monster. And there's no shame in being like, Oh yes, um, quick, take your monster energy drink, and you know that's to give you energy hip. And you're like, ah, it's kind of annoying that they always got to put monster trademark on it. But at the same time, it feels like a normal part of the environment that I'm looking at. It's unobtrusive. That's what it is. It's like having a banner in a FIFA match, or the, you know, in a, an NBA stadium, having a banner up on the in the stadium. That's mm-hmm. that's the best way to advertise. If you need to make money, which they do. They're obviously a business at the end of the day, but do it correctly. Put a banner up where we would see it in a stadium. Yeah, I know Prototype did this, and I'm pretty sure Watch Dogs have done it as well, where um, as you're moving through the world, the billboards there will actually be regularly updated. 
to um, to adverts based on who you know on on advert purchasing, and that's a great way to expose your adverts to people in gaming. Um, that's a smart way of doing it. In that's a way that it feels natural, and, right and it, it you know if these are adverts currently in the real world, then that adds to the immersive experience of the game. I see this advert in the real world. I come home playing the game. Oh, there's the same advert on a billboard. That makes sense. That 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 creates a natural flow between what I'm doing in the game and, and you know the real world experience. And I think that's a great way for for publishers to start to think about how do I how do we monetize this game? And it's not unfair for them to ask that question. I don't think any developer or any publisher should be like taboo about that subject. How do we make profit off this game? How do we look to make money so that we can continue to do this, so that we can pay our staff a fair wage, so that we can make sure that we're supporting developers in the future, creating games in the future, supporting this game in the future? And I just need, I think there needs to be a big discussion amongst gamers on what do we think is acceptable, and at what point do we push back, and what things do we have to allow because they are acceptable and are more normalised, and should become normalised practices. I don't think I need to add anything to that. That's pretty spot on. No, that's the right. That's the right question. Our big, so our big, big advice here is don't buy NBA 2K. If you're considering it, go get NBA, NBA 19 for a quid. You'll have the exact same gameplay experience, but those ad servers are starting to turn off a bit there, and it's not as obtrusive as it is. They're still there. NBA 19 still has those ads, but you're not paying 60, 70 quid to get them. You know, you're you're paying a pound. You pay a pound and you can't watch some adverts. That's acceptable. That's perfectly yeah, reasonable. Games. It's or almost a free to... game. It's almost a free game to play, like on mobile. And you'd be paying sixty quid to have a sweaty forehead. <laughs> Basically, that's all it is. This two K twenty one sweaty foreheads. Exactly. So next, we're going to move on to our probably. The, I think this one's been the hottest topic uh, in debate amongst the Bosch Gamer team, especially me and you. That's it's kind of why we want to bring it up to today. So Need for Speed Hot Pursuit has had its remaster finally announced and I'm going to say it up front I've been waiting for this for years Hot Pursuit possibly is one of my favourite racing games of all time it brought me back into racing games after a big dry spell where there wasn't anything I was interested in and I, I feel like this is a great addition to the current lineup of racing games but I look at this remaster and I don't know if I like what they've done with this it's garbage, that's why. It's because you're watching, like, human poop in a game. Well, <laughs> it looks rubbish. First up, I think we need to talk about the advert that they've released for this remaster. If you haven't haven't seen this advert, then just pause us here for a moment. Don't just pause us here for a moment. Go and watch it. The Need for Speed Hot Pursuit remaster advert. It's only about two minutes. Come back, because this is the most uh, just horrendous advert for a video game I've ever seen. Hot Pursuit is about driving around in supercars, kitted out with police sirens, smashing into Ferraris and street racers, tearing through barriers, dropping stingers, and got helicopters chasing overhead. And the advert they did is about some bloke worried about his time attack time with some some other guy. And it just infuriated me to no end how far they missed the mark on this. How far they missed it. So I want to I want to skip back like literally 60 seconds because you said you've been waiting for this for 
forever. Like this is one of those racing games you you grew up with. Everyone's got their own, whether it's a Gran Turismo, whether it's a Dirt. Um, I grew up with Need for Speed Underground. Yes. That is the game they should have remastered. Not this hot hot pursuit rubbish. I think Underground One, Underground Two. I don't care. Make it Underground Three if you need to um, sell that tagline. But that's, in my opinion, the the game they should be making. See, I can understand what you're saying. Need for Speed Underground 2 is an absolute classic. Always, it's a always will remain as so. I think it, uh, Riders, it made Riders on the Storm an absolutely iconic tuning game in when that comes in, those little rain trickles at the start on the menu screen. But I, I think the problem there is that that culture, as it was then for, for Underground 2, doesn't exist in the same way. And the game is far more arcadey. I know Hot Pursuit is very arcadey in its design. But we've kind of moved away from that. And what Hot Pursuit does is bridges the gap between the current simulation games. If you look at Forza Horizon, probably the biggest um, ra biggest racing game at the moment in terms of public appeal. Uh, it is still very simulation focused. And it's about these hypercars and, and kind of building the fastest. And it is about that. And I think what they can do here, bring out Hot Pursuit as a remaster. Start to introduce people back into arcade functions. And then hit everyone with that Underground 2 next gen. Ray tracing through the rain on your... Like as your blue neons underneath bounce off of all the puddles everywhere as you're racing through the streets drifting. I think that's where they come in with Underground 2. I don't think they do it now. I feel they save it, bring it in next gen, and then there will be absolute hype for that. If you turn around and said we're doing Underground 2, not as a not as a like retexturing, we've not just updated the graphics and that, we've built it again from the ground up. Million new options for the customization, million new graphical upgrades. It's going to be perfect, and I think that's when you do that. Like Heat was very good; they did very well on guiding mm -hmm. cus guiding me through the, how to upgrade my car. So if they can make that game, but with an underground title on it, hands down, I'd buy it, and I, I would sit through ads for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think on this discussion, like you know, what deserves a remaster is a big question. So for me, Hot Pursuit, the reason I kind of chased that for so long is because to me, it always felt like the perfect burnout game if that makes sense mm, so solid like the burnout game is always fantastic up and i think burnout free takedown was probably the where they peaked off and then you start to see his decline i know burnout paradise is held to such high acclaim and i've been remastered by the same company yeah and i yeah i do appreciate i've been playing through that as well and i think that then hot pursuit came through and was kind of like the perfect example of that entire build-up you know the kind of impacts, the damage to each other, the, the car combat at high speeds through city streets, through traffic, that's where it kind of built up to was this hot pursuit. And for me, it was just, it is just great. I'm going to be buying it. I'm going to pick this up. The problem for me is I don't feel like they've gone far enough with the remaster aspect. It doesn't look like it, a current game. It looks like it's it's been upgraded. You can see it's upgraded, but it's not next gen is it it's no it's not even this gen it's still a 360 with uh with the ps4 title on it you yeah you you're looking whatever at, it is looking at those visuals that they're, they're good really good but they're not they're not next gen they're not like where we are now if you look at like i said like forza they if you're looking for ga racing games that look fucking good forza is there as the the benchmark for how a racing game should look now in the detail they put in, you can see differentiation spinning out in alternating speeds. Like that is the point at which I wanted Hot Pursuit to be remastered. 
but I don't. I think they've missed that. I think they've just reskinned this, cleaned up a couple mm -hmm. of textures, a couple of lighting effects, been like, there you go, and it that'll do. Swallow just, that. It's just short, and I'm gonna go in because the gameplay is good, because I love the gameplay. But I I think I'm gonna be disappointed long term by the visuals for it. I'll give it I'll give it one bonus. I'll give it one plus for me, even though it's the wrong game to make. And that is uh, uh, seeing all the old school cars again, like the mm. old design 911s, the Shelby Cobras, the, the Lamborghini Gallardos, but the old school versions of them. You know, this this is a game that came out 10 years ago. So you have to throw your mind back to what cars looked like 10 years ago. And it's pretty cool. That that I do like. Some old looking cars are probably better than half the new crap that come out today. So I do like that. Back before the V8 was a taboo. But I, I, I think this, mm. as we've said, what, what deserves a remaster? And talking about Need for Speed Underground 2, that is a game which I know a lot of people still have. Like a PlayStation 2, I, I've probably last time I played Underground 2 was probably only two, three years ago. I have I had access to PlayStation 2. It was the only game that I got with it because that was the game someone had kept because it was so iconic. Um, so I think we need to think about when games deserve remasters. Um, with Crash 4 releasing as well, this is probably even even bigger point because we just had the re-release of the previous three. Was that essentially? Just a quick little cash in to advertise for Crash Bandicoot 4. Or did this, that justify yes. the development team finishing Crash 4? Does that, you know, turn to them and be because, you know, you've, you've, the, the series has been out for a long time at Crash Bandicoot. They've not been in the game for years and years. How do you know people are going to buy this game? So what do you do? Just remaster the old ones. Quick little skin of paint, just take the engine from free, rebuild the old maps with that exact engine, because that was a big complaint people had. Crash didn't act the way he did in 1 and 2, the classic versions. His behaviour and his physics was based on the third game. So they just took the third game, reskinned it, built all of the old maps in it, released that, see if it sells, watch people get hype, and then go, oh, well, by the way, here's the fourth one. I... When should a remaster happen? Because we, so we saw Modern Warfare campaign for Modern Warfare 2 remastered, and that's one that completely skipped because people had been given Modern Warfare, the, the modern, the new one for multiplayer, and so it was just a, oh, here's the campaign for two. So yeah, it's a good campaign, but all you've done is taken the new Modern Warfare engine and just bunged and like just had us play through the old campaign. And just stripped out stuff that wasn't in the old one. That's true. I would like the old feel and mechanics of an old game more than a new, shiny, perfectly drifting, uh, you know, new game. The old stuff, you know, if you turn just right, you can hit this corner flat out, and you know it doesn't make sense on the physics, but you're okay with that because it looks cool as shit. But and I'm all right with that. Why not make a sequel? Why not build on those on on those ideas? Why not? develop it that that i know it's uh, money hey there you go we're coming back to money again exactly well if you look at look at the master chief collection is probably the best example of remastering in action uh, they went in and they've essentially just built all of centralized all the halos prior to infinity and just gone yep we're gonna put them all in one place um and here's the uh, you know we remastered the first one as a test for this essentially so um combat evolved remastered like that was a test to see should we bother doing this that turns into the Master Chief Collection. They go and remaster Halo 2, and all of these all of these games, when you play through not just their campaign but their multiplayer, are all still in a unique experience to what that game was 
and what they've done is gone in and just stripped out like what the game's visuals were and rebuilt the visuals from the ground up keeping that gameplay experience the same and i feel like that's the best time to do a remaster is if you can essentially give people an easier way to enjoy that experience in the modern generation of consoles with the modern experience to make sure that those those games so especially for story-led games so the halo series is still story-led in its campaign to be like right some of you didn't have an xbox uh, originally so we've kicked the whole thing forward and you can play for it all again in one go so it's basically just trying to capitalize on the old fan base so people like me and mm -hmm. you played the first two and three of, uh, in the original xbox as and then try and get a new fan base with this current gen of what is it gen y gen z i don't know what the hell they call them new generation whatever the fuck they want these days but i reckon it's to try and make sure we come back but also get the new guys so to make a new remaster you need a strong fan base to start with so mm -hmm. that we can hype it to the new new gen like if you're a new dad let's say and you've got a kid coming through bam here you go son play that yeah i i i i so just uh, just to kind of sum up what we've talked about here, I I definitely going to go for the Hopsuit remaster myself. I'd say if you're not a fan of the game previously, I, it, nothing here is going to have changed. There won't be any touch-ups. It won't. It will be the exact same experience. Again, it won't. It doesn't look dramatic enough to be worth picking up if you're not a fan of this as as a standalone within the Need for Speed series. And that's the reason I'm picking it up is because it, that's what it is to me is is a big big point on the previous previous few generations for racing games for me so i suppose that last one so next week we'll ooh, so we'll be recording the day before um for halloween but the podcast won't come out until a few days later so what we wanted to do today was just give a couple of quick suggestions from ourselves on the best games to play for halloween um especially at the moment with lockdown there's probably not many parties going on so you're mad to have a home experience and while watching a film can be really good and scary i know personally when you're playing a game i feel like it's at times more terrifying and also other times you're less helpless you don't feel as kind of lost and out of control because you have that decision making so we wanted to do a couple of suggestions um on what to play first up it's uh coming in we're going to be saying resident evil 7 um for <laughs> This one, I when it came through, it was a massive hit. I, if you're out there and you don't own this, if you're a PlayStation player and you don't own this, then you were one of the lucky few who still has PT installed on your PS4. Um, I, this game is now on Game Pass for all the Xbox players out there, and um, I would recommend highly picking this up. It is the most terrifying first-person experience you're going to have probably for a while now. They took everything from the Amnesia series, from PT, from loads of places they brought in, and they've built a game that is at times horrifying and just violent as all hell, and other times very quiet, creepy, mysterious, and kind of and some kind of puzzle-solving elements that call back to the older Resident Evil 7 and that kind of the older Resident Evils, that quirkiness, the the kind of cartoonishness of their puzzle solving with statue moving and things like that and at the same time some amazing uh, acting in this through the mocap you've got the family that you're facing um is just going to leave you uh, like horrified 
and I highly recommend it. There's some great moments of dismemberment, not just of the monsters you're fighting, but also of yourself very early on. So look forward to that. Um, you will turn your eyes away. For those PlayStation guys out there, you can also jump on your PlayStation VR and experience the whole thing as though it was actually you being tortured alive. So do not do that. <laughs> I have done that. I could not disagree with doing it anymore. Um, it was it was horrible. I was running around a little house in well in my friend's um, sort of living room with it on. After about half an hour, I t I took it off because I was like. I'm running around this house with this weird, creepy thing chasing me, and I don't even know what it is. But if I get found, mm -hmm. I'll die. And <laughs> I didn't like it at all. Yeah, I, I think as definitely for a big part of horror games is the spectator element. I'd say if you're playing this together as a group, you may hot seat and pass if people like you know if you get caught and die in it, you'll pass to someone else to see what, how they experience it. But just as an observer, you've got that experience of it is terrifying to watch. It's tense, and you have that horror movie feel to it. The visuals are perfect on this. And if you are doing the VR experience and you get to enjoy someone else having that horror experience next to you, being terrified, then that actually can turn it into quite a fun experience for everyone else around you. And then you rotate through and you each get to experience that kind of horror of it. And that's a gr that's a great funny game if you've got a few of you together, um, especially with family who you who don't usually play games, who like VR is an easy way for them to pick it up, and will also be absolutely terrified by it. So. Resident Evil 7 is top of our list uh, to pick up for playing this Halloween, I'd say. Yeah, 100%. If you want to scare someone, scare your parents, put that on. You'll you'll hit the nail on the head on that one. Yes. Uh, next up, kind of keeping with the kind of group theme, the play-along theme, uh, we're going with Man of Medan. I, I know Until Dawn is just as good of an option, and I highly recommend that as well. But for Man of Medan, we've picked over it because of their movie night function. This is like they've added to be, it condenses down a lot of the gameplay and everyone within the room picks the character, characters they want to play at the start until you've filled out all of the roster and you'll rotate between everyone. And what you'll see is, I, this is one, this really got my girlfriend into playing games very early on because she, there's not a lot of quick action in it except for a couple of quick time events. But the, the mistakes you make feel justified because of the decision making that leads up to it. The conversational pieces, the controls easy and early because of the warm-ups of the story. And uh, I think for that reason, it's a great one for groups for a quieter evening, but still wanting to get a bit scared and spooked later, and just ready to sit around and play something quite easy. And my suggestion for uh, for anyone playing along is Left 4 Dead 2. Oh. Now, we know this has been on Steam for, I don't know, since I was a baby, maybe? Maybe three? <laughs> it's been around a long time. Left 4 Dead mm -hmm. 1 straight away then left for dead 2 after that not too long and what a series that is it's it's for me like playing counter strike but with a bit more entertainment and not much none of that competitive element it's still got the very accurateness of uh, click and shoot with no bullet drop no time lag all of that type of stuff but it's a four player co-op that you can just go tearing around trying to avoid getting jumped on and smashed by a hulk looking thing and it's great fun it's it's very fitting with the halloween theme so yeah fully recommend it and i've gone back to it years later um just to pick up there's still players and uh you'll, you'll still have just the same amount of fun as you did last time yeah it's, it's a great one to go with if you don't like like we said with things like man down resident evil so you can get a bit bored um kind of letting it build up and that tension arrive for left for dead 2 because of that co-op element and it is couch co-op for left for dead 2 uh, even on current consoles i believe so if you're playing through that 
you can all sit together and be like fighting shit off and the tension comes from the overwhelmingness of the, the horde as it continues to come and you'll all have your favorite characters that you'll end up picking out the four and your favorite options for how you fight the horde and combat it and you'll just you will create your own stories within it because of uh the you've got the the zombie director so this is a system uh, that Valve, the reason they did the first Left 4 Dead was essentially proof of concept for this to say we can, we've got an AI system that will respond to the way you're playing. So if you think that you've tricked the game because you're all just rushing through, well, think again. The game's actually got you tricked there because now they've changed your route and you're going to be going a much longer way. Oh, and on, by the way, the horde's ready for you. You're not, they're not chasing you anymore. And this game, I've I've probably played through Left 4 Dead 2 count, like, countless times at this point um, with so many different people. And always, it's always an entertaining experience. Um, recently, they released the Last Stand. Um, it's the final update. They've uh, Valve have called it the final up. Like, what is this? Very fitting name. Ten the last years stand, on. The final update. <laughs> it's Ten years named. on. The final update. Like the last update for this came out maybe about five years ago, and they were like, "Yep, we've uh, we've brought in the Last Stand update. This is it. This is the kind of." final version of this game as we think it should be um with rumors coming for a community created as well endorsed by valve how cool is that that's just pure modders making a game and being like there you go that's pretty cool and then going you're fucking right that's going yeah. in that's it, amazing you, you can't fault them on it it's a massive suggestion from us for left 4 dead 2 it's definitely up there in the bosch game it's got the bosch like it's an absolute goat from us it easily the greatest of all time for first person co-op games um and so we'll give it that um, moving away from specific games, uh, this year, Halloween events galore. Whoo, seasonal yeah, games everywhere. are on the rise, as always, and with them come spooky season um, updates. So, uh, a couple this year, Call of Duty, Warzone has spooky shit in it. Um, I, I know that Luke's been playing a lot of that on the stream for, for us to show people. So far, I've not heard big appeal on it. I think most people are just wanting the Cold War zombies um, to just hurry up and happen for them. And this is a kind of teaser to that um, for everyone in terms of how scary Call of Duty can be and how tense it can become. Yep, uh, I know I've been watching quite a lot of Luke playing. Really good to uh, to chuck in. He's got some great mates who just absolutely take the piss out of it. So uh, yeah, that's always a good good night to watch in. Um, I'm uh, more as you probably guessed earlier rocket league they put on a little skin event where it's just like the same stuff but it's got uh you know orange and green teams so mm -hmm. uh that's um that's a good one they put a old fa fan favorite mode back in heat seeker if anyone's played it i absolutely love it even though it's uh can get boring after maybe 20 minutes 30 minutes but uh great to jump in for a quick game um any more from you yeah, uh, so Fortnite, as always, getting in with the tide. There's going to be a couple of spooky dressings on the on the map, as we'll see. You know, you'll see a couple of swap skins on things and swap textures, uh, as always. A big one this year, Vermintide 2 has come out and doing a Halloween event year. This year, they're celebrating an, uh, an anniversary around the same time. So they're really excited to kind of be like, look, here's a few years we've been out. Let's do a celebration. And there's some great unlockables coming with that. Vermintide is I, probably best described as a Left 4 Dead in the Warhammer universe. Um, if you don't know Warhammer, if you don't know that kind of world, you're a big fuck-off dwarf swinging an axe at giant man-sized rats. A big uh, dwarf. Hordes <laughs> of fuckers. Hordes of fucking rats coming at you and annihilating these, pe these 
these I love things. It. The big with, dwarf. Yeah, I, there's no other way to describe what that game is. Uh, do go and give it a try if you can get a group of four together. Um, again, another one that I know is on Game Pass. It's always on sale on Steam. Um, Warhammer are always having big sales on their games on there, so you can pick it up there cheap. Um, I imagine that they're, with the event, they'll have it on offer on PlayStation as well. And probably the final one for me then is WoW. Again, they're they're uh, got their Halloween as always. Um, new dungeon, couple of cheeky pickups in all of the towns. Chance to get a new mount. Uh, it's classic stuff that they've done for a long, long time with the Headless Horseman event, and uh, it's all running up into the 16th anniversary event in coming up in November. So hopefully. We'll have a bit more to say about that once Shadowlands comes around, but that'll probably be the last time we talk about WoW for a while. How many um, mounts have you got now? It's got to be in the, the hundreds, right? I'm in the. <laughs> I, I'm I'm just short of 200 usables. Ooh. So, now that you that it sounds like a lot, but compared to some people, that's barely a dent. I bet. Um, for me, the the last game, and again, one that I've basically been uh, rinse and repeating. Uh, burning time effectively for Cyberpunk to come out next month, hurry up please, is uh, Apex Legends. And uh, they've released a wicked mode. Uh, anyone who's played the series will know it's a very, very cool game, a very unique battle royale. Uh, it's basically like the Shadow Realm where as soon as you die, you come back as a ghost that you can then have like increased speed, increased running, you can wall climb, and you basically go around and punch people to death to try and save you, you know, the people who are still alive in your team. Brilliant. So really cool. You can't be revived, but you can go and run and destroy everyone. And it's hilarious. I love it. I've been playing it all week and fully recommend just giving it a go. See, that, that to me solves a great problem with Battle Royales, and that is your downtime when you're dead. So I, I think for that, it's a great game mode that they've put in there. That idea of continuing to be an influencer after you're down, um, mm. it coming back around i guess for the full episode it's like being in among us when you get taken out in that being this ghost going around problem solving so and we've done it we've done a full loop six degrees of among us um for those who were counting points that's that goes to me this week um well that's all we have time for today uh, i want to thank adam for joining me today thank you adam uh, no problem it's been my pleasure Love epic it. as always that's okay. Well, be sure to catch us. We come through to you every Sunday on places where your podcasts are downloaded, wherever you want to pick us up from. Um, you can grab, find us, usually find us there. Don't forget to join us on Facebook, on the community pages, on the face, Facebook um, group, where we're always excited to see people posting there. We feature a lot of community posts in the podcast in the future. We'd like to make a bigger deal out of that. Find us on Twitter. Instagram, and don't forget to watch us on Twitch nearly every night where we've got one of the teams streaming up there. Um, it's a great place to catch up with everyone and get our thoughts live on, on the new updates in the gaming world. So thank you all for joining me on this, the Bosch Gamer podcast number eight, and have a very lovely week.